0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Chingonas Only Club. Today's episode is very special to me. I know I always say that, (laughs) but this one is one of my personal stories, and it's called Chingonas on Falling in Love, and I wanted to share my own personal story of how I came to meet and eventually marry my husband. This episode is dedicated to him. So without further ado, get ready, get comfortable, and let's dive in. Alright, so we're just going to dive right in and I'm going to talk to you about how I fell in love with my husband. Now, if you guys follow the show, you know that I previously did an episode called Chingonas on Heartbreak with my friend Samantha, where we talked about what heartbreak and overcoming heartbreak does and what it takes and and how does that happen and how it changes you as a person, how it can change and transform your entire life. And I wanted to talk to you today about love because it's a powerful thing and it can also change you transform you and just complete you (laughs) so i felt like the best way to do that was to share my story with you guys of how i met my husband i came to the u.s when i was seven and i started going to elementary school right away i was in second grade and it was Union Avenue Elementary School. My teacher's name was Mrs. Redmond, and she, I know this is gonna sound so stupid, but I was born in an indigenous town in Mexico. She was the first black female that I ever met, that I ever saw at seven years old. And I remember her being so incredibly sweet, and beautiful and she was always just trying her absolute best to speak in Spanish to me and I loved her my husband was in the same grade went to the same school I've actually known him since I was seven his name is Jose but I call him Joe I don't know why it's just he had a keychain it's a whole thing but I call him Joe and I've always called him that, and I, that's how I introduce him to people. So whenever you hear me talk about Joe, I'm talking about the Joe. Like, in my mind, there's only one, and it's my husband. We were not in the same classroom, but we were in the same grade in the same school. We didn't actually interact. It was more like distant interactions where our classes would go to PE together. We'd go to recess together. We'd go on field trips together, but I'd never actually spoken to him. He was, he actually looks exactly like my middle son, Aaron. So whenever I see my son now, it takes me back like a flashback. Back to when we were little kids in elementary school because he looks exactly like his daddy did when we were kids. So that's kind of a beautiful thing. And I never talked to my husband because he didn't like... He didn't talk to me. He was one of the cool kids and I was not. And we spoke different languages. And of course, I would never. (laughs) Too much anxiety, too much embarrassment. It's just not something that I would have done. But I did think he was super cute. And as all kids do, (laughs) when we went through school, I just kind of had this little crush on him. But I never told anyone because I don't really have friends to talk to and I never told him or anything like that but in fifth grade you know when you finish fifth grade and you're about to go to middle school I'm not sure if they do that now but back then they used to do a little fifth grade dance and you feel super grown up because you know it's after school which is oh my god you guys are growing up you have an after school dance (laughs) and it's for the fifth graders Uh, I remember that I got a really pretty white dress that my mom got for me so that I could go to my first dance and we had it in the school cafeteria (laughs) and I wanted to dance because you know Mexican people like we grow up dancing we have family parties and celebrations and we grow up dancing and I wanted to dance and I figured this is my chance you know I think this boy is so cute I'm just gonna go ask him to dance with me and he was sitting off to the side and he was sitting there with his friends who ironically were also named Jose (laughs) it's like three Jose's gathered up in the corner (laughs) what can I say it's it's LA right like 98% of the population is Latino (laughs) so I go over there and I look at my husband and I was like do you want to dance with me and I can't even begin to tell you I was so nervous my hands were all sweaty it literally took everything out of me to ask this boy to dance with me And everybody was looking at me because, you know, girls don't do that. And he looked at me and he was like, ew, no. And he ran away. Like, my son Aaron would 100% do that right now because he thinks girls are gross. And he did that. He was like, ew, no way. And he, like, just took off into some corner, i still can't believe he did that and i just left there like what the heck why is he what's wrong with that kid and his friend the other jose was sitting with him he was like i want to dance i want to dance i want to dance with you and i was like fine and i knew him too but i also interacted with him you know, just a little bit, his dad used to sell, he owns till this day, he still owns a couple of businesses in LA, but his dad at that time had a vegetable and fruit truck and he, he was in my neighborhood. So I've interacted with his dad and him a couple of times. We lived like on the same block. So I knew him, I felt a little more comfortable with him and I was like, fine, since the other Jose said no, then you, Jose number two, can come dance with me. And we danced and it got you know we're little children so i don't know if if it was because we danced we felt like we had to all of a sudden like each other but he became my first boyfriend Jose number two did (laughs) and we i think that was the the closest we ever got was like we held hands for a little bit because it was so innocent you know and and we were just kids but i was always so annoyed that this kid ran away from me i could not believe that he did that And he must have known that I had a crush on him because, like, why else would I have asked him to dance? Well, whatever. I got another boyfriend, so (laughs) it was fine. (laughs) Of course, that didn't last. And if you heard the episode on heartbreak, you know that my second boyfriend completely broke my heart when he when I caught him making out with my best friend when I was in middle school or who I considered to be my best friend at the time when I was in middle school and every regardless of me not me having my little crushes and my little boyfriends I would always see Joe all over the school he was a little skater he always had a big old hoodie on Always had his baggy pants and his Vans or whatever skate shoes were cool. And he was always skating and he was a troublemaker. He would sit in the back of the classrooms. I had a couple of classes with him throughout middle school. And he would sit in the back of the classroom and was just always like, you know, quote unquote, the bad kid. And I always just thought he was so handsome. I don't know. Maybe it was because he just ignored me all of the time it just made me like him even more. <laughs> so uh, at some point in middle school like in eighth grade I decided to try again because I had nothing to lose because eighth grade was finishing and we were all going to high school and I figured chances of us going to the same high school are also slim and you know maybe he's he maybe he likes girls now. <laughs> oh, my God. And so we had yearbooks in middle school, which we did it in, in elementary school. So in middle school, we were talking and I went over to where he was and I was like, hey, can I sign your yearbook? And he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And he gives it to me. And then I wrote in his yearbook how much I liked him and how I thought he was super cute. And I gave him my phone number and I told him to call me because it was summertime. We weren't going to see each other. And I figured, hey, like, give me a call sometime. I don't know who the hell I thought I was. If he would have actually called me, my dad would have probably hung up the phone on him or my mom would have been like, what the heck are you doing? Giving your number out to a boy. I really wasn't thinking. I just figured, like you know, shoot your shot, (laughs) and so I did, and I was waiting, because we still had a couple days left in school, for him to either come talk to me, now that I had professed my love to him, and he knew that I still had a crush on him since fifth grade, and he just pretended like nothing happened, so I was really mad, like, for real, for real, it wasn't like the, like, elementary school, like, I was actually upset, like, Who does he think he is? Like, you know, does this guy think he's he's so good and he's too good for me? Or what the hell? Why won't he just tell me or acknowledge what I said and just say, hey, I'm not interested. Anything. Just the whole fact that he was completely just ignoring everything that I was doing was super obnoxious. So I decided to just beat him at his own game. And I was like, you know what? Forget that guy. I'm just going to move on. And we ended up going to the same high school. So yeah, super mega eye roll. We ended up going to the same high school. And in high school, I had just a different group of friends, like some of the same friends from middle school. And I made new friends. And I started playing sports. I was on the basketball team. I was on the softball team. It was just very busy all the time. And I had a couple of boyfriends here and there. And whenever I would see him, because I would see him often, he was still the same. Like, skater dude. He was always there after school, just skating his life away like he had no life. (laughs) He was always there, getting in trouble. he started to get kind of a bad rep. Like, he was the kid who was, like, come to school drunk. And it was like, what the heck is wrong with that guy? Like... He just wants to be a bad guy, be a bad kid, be a troublemaker. It seemed like he just didn't care about anything or anyone. But regardless, I still thought he was really cute. (laughs) It didn't dissuade me. But but I refused to acknowledge him. And I refused to acknowledge his presence. And I refused to pay him any attention. So whenever I would see him walking down the hallway in my direction, I would either just completely ignore him, not even look his way. Or I would just turn around and walk the other way. Like just was like, no, I refuse to even make eye contact with this guy. He does not exist because... I was so mad about what he did. (laughs) What he did to me both in eighth grade and fifth grade. And I know it's petty, but you know, I was I was a teenage kid. I don't know what to tell you. That was just how my brain worked. And eventually we graduated high school. And as you guys know from listening to previous episodes, right after high school, I was actually deported. And I just kind of to the people who didn't know what was going on and who weren't close to me or weren't friends. I just kind of dropped out of the face of the planet. Like nobody, nobody knew of me or honestly cared. So I just kind of disappeared. And in that time frame that I was gone, as you may know, I married someone right out of high school and it ended up being, uh, terrible, abusive relationship that caused me a ton of physical and emotional pain. And so when I was in Mexico, everything that I had to go through, you know, deportation, the immigration issues, the uh, just the depression, the loneliness, struggles, all of that completely changed me as a person. And it forced me to grow up. And suddenly, the world looked different. When I was a kid, before any of these things happened, and I was in high school, I knew that I had really big real-world problems, but it wasn't until I graduated high school that I was actually, I myself, was dealing with these real issues and forced to very quickly just grow up. And... While I was in Mexico, probably the last two months that I was in Mexico, dealing with the lawyers and trying to get back home, Joe and I were both on MySpace. Ooh, throwback! Um, and he had his MySpace and I had my MySpace, and you know you could put your songs, your favorite songs, on your MySpace. I think I had the Mars Volta, Widow. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that song, but it's like super emo. If you haven't, go look it up. It's so good. But that was what was on my MySpace at that time. I had stupid short hair, like really short. I had like this super, I mean, I used to color it every color under the sun. I had highlights in my hair and I was just like this little punk rock kid, which, you know, I wasn't like a kid anymore. I was twenty was 21 at the time well I the only connection that I had to the world was the internet I had a computer and I had internet and I would occasionally go on myspace and see what the people that I left behind were doing and in one of those I came across Jose's profile and I was like oh my god it's this guy why does he still look so cute (laughs) he looks so handsome (laughs) and my cousin was staying with me at the time she came from uh, Hidalgo she came up to TJ because I was living in TJ she wanted you know it's a big city so she wanted to come up and just visit me so she came from the southern part of Mexico up to the northern part of Mexico to just hang out with me for a couple weeks and she saw me looking at his profile and she's like, who's that? <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's this fucking guy who's such an asshole <laughs> for no reason. I was <laughs> just bashing him. <laughs> and I I told her what happened. And she's like, oh, no, you have to you have to message him. Uh, and I was like, no, you know, that's embarrassing. And she's like, no, just message him, message him. And so I did, thinking, this kid never talked to me. ignored me at every possible turning point he never talked to anyone he was such a loner he was always getting in trouble I'd be surprised if he was around to actually answer and immediately as soon as I messaged him he replied because I was like hey and he was like hey (laughs) I was like oh shoot he answered and I was like oh how are you and we just started talking and I, and it was like this out of body experience because I couldn't believe that I had gone what, since I was seven to 21, I don't know guys, do the math, that many years and this was the first time that he and I were actually having a conversation, finally, right? And for me, it was really exciting feeling and, you know, when you first start talking to a person, you get all the butterflies and you know all the giggles and I remember getting off the chat that night and my face was hurting because I was smiling so much the entire time that I was talking to him and it wasn't anything like deep we were just talking about life like what had happened to me where why the hell was I living in Mexico and he was just Asking me a ton of questions. I was really getting to know him because I, I never I never actually knew anything about him except his name and that he liked to skate. That was it. That was all I knew about this kid. And over the next two months, right before I was allowed to come back to the United States, we would talk every day on the on the internet in the chat either on MySpace or I don't know, I forget what the hell chat room it was. But we used to just chat it up every day. And eventually it became like a just about your day. It stopped being about getting to know each other. It was more like, hey, what did you do today? Or how was your day? and And I realized that I really liked him. He had a really sweet personality. And I realized that I didn't know him. And I judged him pretty harshly because, you know, the reason why he was a little troublemaker in high school is because he had lost his dad and that's why he would drink and he would do all these things. And I think any teenager in his position would have reacted, in a, you know, not not exactly the same way, but in a similar manner. And so I realized that, like I said, I judged him way too harshly and I really didn't know anything about him. So I made it a point to really just get to know him. And he did the same. He asked me all these questions. And I was, always, I was very honest with him. Because it was something that. Something about him made me just completely open up. And I think it was all the years of like hiding. <laughs> being an undocumented person. And just hiding and lying to everybody. I had come to a point in my life. Where I was no longer able to hide anymore. And so I told him everything like, I'm undocumented, I'm deported, I'm waiting, I may never come home. I don't, (laughs) you know, I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm depressed, all of these things because I figured it was time. And I don't know, I really just enjoyed talking to him. And I don't think we ever thought beyond us talking on MySpace because, like I said, I never thought I was coming home. And I don't think he thought I was ever coming home. And anyway, the day came and went when I did come home. And he wanted to see me. I came home January 31st or 30th, I forget which day, of 2008. And he wanted to see me and I was so embarrassed because I had never actually spoke to him in person. <laughs> Even though I felt like I knew him. And I'd seen him a bunch of times. Pretty much my entire life I'd seen him. I I didn't want him to actually see me. And it was just all these insecurities were just flooding back when I was finally home. But I also was incredibly excited to see him. And so I agreed to go out with him on Valentine's Day however i made sure to state and we agreed that it was not a date because a valentine's day date was way too serious way more than either one of us bargained for and i didn't care for it because as far as i was concerned i was over men forever um like i said i got out of a Horrible marriage. At that time I had wasn't even like divorced yet. My husband had kind of ghosted me. He had disappeared completely out of my life and I I didn't know where he was. So I was still married and he knew that. That I, I was trying to find my husband so that I could divorce him. So that's another story. But he understood my situation. Like I never hid anything from him. He knew everything. And so I felt comfortable. So we agreed to go out on Valentine's Day. And we were two broke kids because I didn't have any money and I didn't have any job. And he drove a Mirage, like a beat up Mirage. (laughs) I remember the hood of his car was a different color than the rest of the car. And then when you got into the car, it smelled like weed because he used to smoke (laughs) and i remember sitting in this car for the first time and i was like oh my god i was like please roll the windows down jesus anyway also another story for another time (laughs) but we decided to i can't remember i think we got tommy's or gus's burgers i don't I don't remember which burgers but if you're from la i mean you know what that is but we got that and we decided you know to he said he was going to take me up to legion park because he wanted to show me something and i don't know what at that point i didn't really know where anything in la was two years in la is like might as well be 50 buildings pop up left and right and the scenery changes so dramatically that if you blink you'll miss it so two years being gone and coming back, I, it was like a whole different place. I didn't know it. And I didn't know anyone. So he took me off for Valentine's Day. We went up to Elysian Park. And we parked. And I guess every year, I don't know if they still do this, but City Hall in downtown will actually turn off all their lights. And then they only turn it off, turn on certain lights so that it, the lights of the building of City Hall make the shape of a heart. And I didn't know apparently they do this every year. He was like, look, and then they did it. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. You know, it's a little cheap date trick. It worked. I thought that was super cute that he showed that to me. And we sat there, we ate our burgers, drank our sodas, and we talked for hours. And that just seemed to be something that we did. We talked about everything about religion, about family, about kids, about love, about life, about money, about, I mean, everything you could possibly think of, we, we talked about. And I think I knew that he was too good for me, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, he was just so kind. He was so kind and so patient and it almost seemed surreal to me that a person like him actually existed because up until that point, I have had yet to meet a man who was kind, genuinely kind and a genuinely good person and he, he was all of those things and I thought, you know, there must be something wrong with him <laughs> because there's no way that this is real. Fortunately, he was that person, um, but I still didn't want to get involved with him. I didn't want a relationship because I was I knew that I was leaving to boot camp. And my sixth grade boyfriend cheated on me. My seventh grade boyfriend cheated on My eighth grade boyfriend. And you can imagine every single boyfriend I ever had Cheating on me—that was just what dudes did, and it is what it is. And even my husband cheated on me. It's not funny, but it kind of is because it was. It made me like such a jaded person, and I didn't believe in love. I didn't believe in love. I thought that it was something that was some made-up fucking story. Because even my own parents, I saw that the only type of love that it could ever possibly exist was the destructive kind. The kind where people love too hard and their own insecurities destroyed them and caused them to do horrible things. And it was just not something that I ever craved Nothing, or knew that I craved. <laughs> I just It was not something that I thought I ever needed in my life. I thought that I was just going to be single forever and I didn't think I was ever going to have children because I didn't think that I was capable of ever loving someone so selflessly because I saw it as a weakness because when my mother loved so fiercely, it hurt her and it was the cause of major pain and trauma in her life. And it was not something that I ever wanted any part of. And that's what heartbreak does to you guys. It changes you and it transforms you. Sometimes for the good. But a lot of times, it's for the worse. And that's what it had done to me. Over the years, I had learned that you can't trust any significant other. I had learned that your friends were never really your friends. That nobody really loved you. And nobody really cared for you. And that love was just this made up thing. That nobody would ever achieve. That's how I was. And that's how I thought. And so as kind as he was. And as wonderful as he was to me. I was like okay. Let's uh. Let's just be friends. (laughs) As much as I wanted more. I I just wanted to be his friend. (coughs) So Joe, he said, yeah, sure, friends, that's fine. But he didn't mean it. He didn't just want to be my friend. He just went along with it so that I would feel comfortable, I think, because he didn't want to ruin what we had, but he wanted to continue to grow what we had. And I did too. I just couldn't admit it because, like I said, I felt like it made me a weak person And when I left for boot camp, I really was just hoping, not hoping, I was waiting for a letter to come or the letters to just stop coming. I was like, he's going to write me the first couple of days and then he's going to be like, all right, on to the next, because that was my experience. And no, when I was in boot camp, I got a letter from him every single day. And I would write to him every single day. He was like my only connection to the world when I was in boot camp. Super dramatic, right? It's like you're in prison or something. (laughs) And I would wait for mail call. And I remember waiting for his letters to come. And when they wouldn't call my name, I'd get so sad. And then all four or five letters would come at a time. It would just make me just so incredibly happy. And it was, again, the same thing from when we first started talking we just talked and wrote about everything and I think he got to see my transformation from like a person regular person to a military person and he would poke fun at me all the time and now that I see people coming out of boot camp and all their weird mannerisms I see it it's hilarious (laughs) because you come out like a little robot but he was there for me and because my mom was an undocumented person, and so were my brothers, when I graduated from boot camp, I didn't have anybody there. And so I asked him if he could come to my graduation. And he flew from LA to Chicago to come see me graduate from boot camp. And you have to remember that he was nothing to me. He wasn't my boyfriend. He was just a friend at that point. Obviously, we were more than friends, but we refused to admit that we were more than friends or just use any type of language that distinguished us as anything else. And it was mostly, it was just me was being stubborn. And I continued to do that to him throughout the whole time that I was in basic training. And, and when I got to my first command, I continued to just push him away. But at the same time, I continued to reach out to him. Like I wanted him there But I think what I was trying to do was keep him at an arm's distance so that I wouldn't get hurt. And I told him a couple times, if you ever just want to get a girlfriend, like, that's perfectly fine with me. Although it wasn't. It would have completely broken me, but I would have never showed him that. I was just like, you do you. There's no commitment here. Like, when I come to L.A., then... We can hang out, but when I'm gone then you can do whatever you want. Because I think I was trying to shield myself from having my heart broken. I didn't want to call something or someone mine or feel like they were mine and then find out that they had no intention of being mine, if that makes any sense. Not my boyfriend, not my whatever. I just it was not something that I was interested in feeling or experiencing again. So I think it was Christmas and I was on the ship and I had a I had gotten to that point I had a really hard time on my first ship and I had gotten really depressed and really sad and I got homesick and there's just a lot of stuff going on on the ship that made me feel so incredibly alone. And I remember that I had broken up <laughs> with my non-boyfriend. <laughs> I basically told him I don't wanna I don't wanna I don't wanna do this anymore. I don't wanna drag these I don't wanna drag this out any longer. I don't wanna have these feelings or whatever it was. And then on Christmas or two days before Christmas I was on duty and then it was just like out of the blue. I don't even know. I know I was walking up a ladder well and I got this sudden urge to just call him and tell him I was sorry it's like something my chest was like pounding because I got this sudden fear that I had finally pushed him away that I had been doing it for I don't know over a year at that point and finally I'd achieved it and I had pushed him away and so I called him and I was like crying (laughs) like i'm so sorry i want to be your girlfriend i love you so much it was so annoying and ridiculous and he'll never let it go i know he won't but um, i had to make him chase me i chased him for years and i had to just keep shooting him down it was it was a way to be even <laughs> and eventually we were inseparable And it was really like a whirlwind type of thing. I think about like a week later because it was New Year's. New Year's was coming up. Christmas had just happened. After I professed my love to him yet again, good grief, I went home to LA. And we spent the next few days in like complete and total bliss with his family and my family. And finally just admitting that we just loved each other and we wanted to be together and it didn't matter that i would get deployed and it didn't matter that i was going places or gone we were just going to figure it out we were just young kids but we we just kind of knew that we wanted to be with each other and we belonged together and so i i think i was playing guitar hero <laughs> because that's what we did in our spare time we played guitar hero i used to be amazing at guitar hero i couldn't tell you now i probably have arthritis hands or something but back in the day i was the bomb anyway i remember playing guitar hero and he was like hey like the courthouse is open and i remember continuing to play and i was like uh-huh like you know clack clack clickety clack clack i think i was playing a um, Freebird <laughs> guitar hero so you know i was uh focused and he was like well let's go get married and i was like okay and just kept playing like and we just decided to go get married that day (laughs) there was no rings there was no flinching there was no proposal we just like hey the court has open how about we go get married okay sure and then on the way there we picked up his friend we didn't tell him where we were going we just Told him we were making a quick stop because he had asked us for a ride. We picked up his friend. We went to the courthouse, and he was like, "What are we doing here?" And then he was like, "Oh my God, are you guys getting married?" And we're like, "Yeah, you're. We need a witness." And he was like, "Holy crap!" And he was—I think he was more excited and like stoked than both of us put together. Because it wasn't that we weren't excited, but to us, it was like such a natural thing. We were gonna get married. We loved each other it didn't matter paper or no paper like we were together and his name was David and he signed our marriage certificate with a smiley face (sighs) thanks David (laughs) and I don't think we've spoken to him since it's been like 12 years Um, so David if you're listening thanks and I hope that you're doing well (laughs) but Anywho, we got married, and we didn't tell any of our family. We didn't tell my mom, his mom. We didn't tell anybody because as much as they were supportive of us being together, as much as my mom loved him, as much as his mom loved, I'm not going to say love, say like, (laughs) as much as his mom liked me at the time, I think we wanted to keep it to ourselves because we didn't want them to ruin it by telling us things like you're too young you don't know what you're doing you're rushing into things you don't know what love is just like the grown-up things that grown-ups say we were we didn't care so and it didn't change anything that piece of paper for us was nothing it didn't change how I felt about him it didn't change our living situation it didn't change anything we had we're practically already living together so it nothing was different and so we didn't tell him. And a few months later, I found that I was pregnant with my oldest son, Jacob, who's 11 years old now. He was born in November of the following year. So we got married in December. And my son was born November of the following year. And for Christmas, I remember we went home because at that point, he and I had moved to San Diego because it's where I was stationed. And we went home for Christmas, and I forgot what we were doing, but my husband then looked at me, and he was like, hey, today's our anniversary, and I was like, for real? He's like, yeah, and I was like, oh, cool, and everybody just looked at us like, wait, what anniversary? We're like, oh, yeah, we got married last year. And that was how we broke the news to our entire family that we were married. (laughs) Because we... I don't know. Marriage, it's a beautiful thing. Because I'm married to him. That's the only thing that makes it special. Because I've been married before. So to me, marriage is is a word. It doesn't mean anything. It only means something to me now. Because I'm married to my husband. Married to him. And we have three beautiful children together. And I think that people think of love as this very linear thing. They think that you're just going to meet a person and you're just going to fall in love. My person was there my whole life. And we were kind of living like these parallel lives. And you have to think of all the impossibilities that had to happen in order for him and I to end up at the exact same location, right? I was deported for crying out loud. I could have possibly never come back to this country. I don't know what would have happened, but I would have never, I would have missed out on my person. And when I think about that, it overwhelms me to this day because he's amazing (laughs) and he's kind and he's supportive, and he's patient, and he's patient, (laughs) and if you met me, the man needs all the patience he can get, (laughs) because he has to put up with me, and I love him for it, but I think I, I fell in love with my husband a long time ago, but I think that once we had children, I fell in love with him all over again. Because for the first time ever in my entire life, I got to see what a man does for his family. What a good man does for his family. I got to see how a father is supposed to love his children. It was something that I never experienced before. I got to see how a husband is supposed to love his wife. And I experienced firsthand that love is not supposed to be difficult. There was nothing difficult about us. We were not these crazy people that fought constantly. We, of course, have disagreements, but we never fought To this day, 12 years later, like we, Joe and I don't fight. We have disagreements and we hear each other out and we talk through things. And then we just move on. We don't go to sleep angry. We raise our children together. We are equal partners in this marriage, equal partners in parenting and everything that has to do with our lives. We are equals and... To me, that is completely foreign because he didn't have the same traumas that I had. He, he didn't see his, his dad beating his mom to within an inch of her life. His mom wasn't a teenager like mine was who had to grow up as she was raising her children. Like she was a more mature mother. He experienced a totally different type of parent. His siblings were older, way older than him. And he was the baby in his family. So, you know, that means he was spoiled. (laughs) So we just had completely different upbringings. And he had to learn to understand that a lot of, not a lot, I would say most of the things in our life have been firsts for me. And they shocked me because I've never seen him and I've never experienced him and I think for him that might be the thing that you know makes him smile <laughs> because it's the tiniest little things that bring me so much joy but it's all him and I think back to when I was in elementary school and I used to see like my crush at that time and gosh like Little me would have never imagined that I would actually end up marrying that little boy someday, despite him running away from me. <laughs> and we always joke. My husband always tells me. Because people ask him and they ask me all the time, like if we ever get jealous. Because my husband and I we don't like we don't go to each other's workplace. We're barely friends on Facebook. <laughs> I have not have never been to his job. Like the man tells me he goes to work at a bank every day. For all I know, he could have a second family. <laughs> because I just we're not those people. I'm not an insecure person and neither is he. I don't check his phone. I don't like it's just not who we are. I don't have a wedding ring. He doesn't have a wedding band. People don't it's just I don't know. We have a very traditional but unconventional marriage I don't know how to explain it but we just don't see those things as valuable like we just know that we love each other we love our children we love our marriage we love our life and we just live it. I don't have to show anybody anything and so people always ask because we don't wear wedding rings and we don't go know each other's like co-workers or whatever if we ever get jealous and my husband always likes to joke he's like I don't worry about her flirting. It takes at least twelve to fifteen years for her to get the courage to talk to someone so so it's (laughs) okay. And he's not wrong. He's so not wrong. But yeah, that's how that's how I fell in love and how I met my person. And so I encourage you guys, if you guys are younger and still haven't found your person and some people say that, you know, they just want to be alone forever, that's great. If that's something that you want, then that's amazing. Go for it. But if you're one of those people that, you know, good old hopeless romantic who wants to find your person and live out your life with that someone, that person will come to you when you're least expecting it and honestly when you're ready because if my husband and i had collided any time sooner than when we did we would have never worked out because i wasn't the person he fell in love with eventually was not the person i ever was the entire time that i knew him and so eventually it'll happen when you least expect it you can't force it you just have to let it be and you shouldn't be fighting for someone's love and attention unexpectedly out of nowhere this this man just came and just loved me for me 100 percent, for everything that i am with all my flaws and everything he just loved me and That's something that I think is important to say. So yeah. I can only wish that for people. Who want that in their lives. I hope that they find it. Honestly. Because love is a beautiful thing. And it did transform me. And my life. And my entire future. So yeah. And that's it. I'm not talking about my husband anymore. Because I think this. His head is just going to explode after this episode. I may just not tell him about it. <laughs> but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that little love story. And if not, you're not already following us on social media, uh, please follow me on Instagram at ChingonasOnlyClub or on TikTok if you're in TikTok uh, at ChingonasOnlyClub. I actually post a lot on TikTok <laughs> because I love being on there. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and I hope that you guys come back next week. Adios!